that stuff's left off that doesn't need to be there. You know? Iron sharpens iron. There's something about the body. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling depressed. You're feeling angry. Walking and worshiping with the body of Christ helps to ease that and kind of slough that anger off and calm the spirit. Amen. And puts us in a place where we can receive what God wants to give us. He has a heart and a plan for the service this morning. And we want to flow with them so that every good and perfect thing that he wants to place finds its place in us. Amen. Is that your desire today? We are not alone. Serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we're part of the beautiful family of God. Amen. Lord is my
much going on. It can crowd our minds and our hearts. And it's sometimes difficult to push that away. But we want to give you the space, God, to move in us today, to change us, encourage us, make us bold. Every heart and every mind, you have a plan for. Help us to hear you today, Jesus. Let your presence and the power of your presence block out all the other noise. Help us to join in unity with your spirit, God, in that endeavor. Help us to refuse every thought that would try to distract us during this time together in your presence. In Jesus' name, yes, Jesus. I find every distraction, Lord, anything that would try to hinder what you're wanting to do. Your grace. 
good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. And uh, we're so glad that you're here today. We want to welcome all of our guests here this morning. We know you can be just about anywhere. And you've chosen to be with us. And we appreciate that. Amen. Uh, there is... Exciting times happening. In the midst of everything that we're dealing with, there's still things that God is trying to do and trying to minister. And uh, I'm, I, I believe that with all of my heart that God is <clears throat> doing something that we may not even be able to see yet or sense yet. But any time that the darkness settles in. It's usually when the light's getting ready to break. And uh, I believe that with all of my heart. So I don't want to miss that. I want to be ready for it. And uh, we're so glad that you're here today to join us in worshiping him. I will say that there is uh, a spirit of heaviness that is trying to take over our lives. And so I want to encourage you, the thing that handles the spirit of heaviness, the Bible says, is to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And uh, something, heaviness cannot stick around when you begin to praise. I'm not just talking about singing a couple songs together on Sunday. I'm talking about tomorrow morning when you wake up and you start walking through your house praising him. Just wait for the heaviness to lift. It, it, it's going to happen because until Jesus comes, we're going to be dealing with the heavy things of life and the heavy things of the world and uh, of the last days, if you will. But in the midst of all that heaviness, it can be lifted from our shoulders because of the joy that will settle in because we're willing to praise. Yeah. And uh, so I encourage you and challenge you to find a position of praise and worship in the days to come. Uh, for the spirit of heaviness. And uh, we're all feeling it. Some of us may feel it more than others. Or at least differently than others. And uh, But we're all feeling it to some extent. So we want you to uh, continue to praise and worship. We also want you to continue just to pray for one another. The Bible says this. Bearing one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. And uh, we want to come alongside of you as a church in prayer. And if there's other things that we can do. Uh, Please let us know so that we can, as a church, come alongside and we'll do whatever we can to help bear the burden that you're dealing with. In Jesus' name, praise God. We're excited. Two weeks from today, there will be no 10.30 a.m. service. Um, if anybody shows up at 10.30 on that Sunday, well, you can help me set up for the 2 o'clock service. <laughs> um, we're just having one service at 2 o'clock, two weeks from today. That's December 6th. And then December 5th, we're having a service at 6 p.m. And for those two services, we are selling tickets because we want to uh, limit the amount of, or we have a limit of the amount of people that can be here. And we are about a little over two-thirds full for Saturday night. There's about 20 tickets left for Saturday night. There's about 35 tickets left for Sunday. So we want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. If you have somebody like, that you'd like to invite, uh, you can either go online and purchase your tickets or Elena will be at the table as you leave and uh, she can take your name and we can reserve your seats for that as well. And so we're excited about what God's going to do. 
Uh, we won't, there won't be any preaching that Friday, that Saturday or Sunday. It's, uh, well, they'll preach through the songs. But it's all going to be Christmas. The praise team has been working very hard on getting the music together and ready for that. And so we want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. Uh, you won't regret it. Uh, my mom always says it this way. She says it kind of kicks off Christmas for you. And so we want to kick off Christmas the first weekend of December, Saturday at 6 and Sunday at 2 p.m. And uh, I believe that God is going to honor our faithfulness. Uh, and God is going to honor those that are here by touching and ministering them to them with the spirit of Christmas. Praise God. I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. You have your Bibles. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen as well. Uh, we want to wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving this week. I know it's probably being done differently than it's ever been done before, but we want you to be thankful in all things and find a, a place over the next several days. If you read your devotion tomorrow morning, I'll be challenging you to give thanks and everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And uh, so we want you to have a great happy Thanksgiving week for that reason. There won't be any midweek service. Uh, chain breakers will still be meeting, but we're not meeting online on Wednesday evening. And uh, we want to encourage you to be with your family and uh, and just uh, cook some good food, I guess. <laughs> this may seem like a Christmas message today, but it's really not. But I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse number 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And... Uh, this is usually read at Christmas time, and we're heading into Christmas, but uh, I'm not really going to preach to you today about Christmas, so to speak, although really Christmas is every day because we want Christ to come every day. But uh, I want to preach on this topic, when an ordinary night becomes holy. When an ordinary night becomes holy. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads and pray with me one more time before we go into this message. Jesus, I thank you for everything that you have done and are doing. I'm thankful for the presence of, 
uh, that we feel here today, the depth of your anointing I sense strongly in this house. I'm praying, Lord, that you would fill me up and pour me out upon your people today and give us ears to hear and spirits to receive what thus says the word of the Lord. I'm asking you, Lord, to encourage, edify, lift up. Lord, I'm asking you to anoint and let your glory shine round about each one of us here today as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. There's something about the nighttime that God really enjoys. I, and, and, I, and I say that to say this, I'm not somebody uh, that necessarily likes the nighttime. Um, I don't like going to work in the dark and coming home to work in the dark. It's not exciting to me. I could never live in Barrow, Alaska, whose sun went down on the 18th of November and will not rise again until January 21st. That's a long time of darkness. That messes with my system. It, it's 5 o'clock in the evening, and I'm thinking it's 10 o'clock, and it's time to go to sleep. Am I the only one? <laughs> and uh, But there's something about the nighttime hour as you read through Scripture. Something always takes place at nighttime that is miraculous and is powerful and is majestic, if you will. I'm, I'm thinking of things like uh, Paul and Silas at the midnight hour began to sing praises in the dungeon and God caused an earthquake to shake the prison where they were at and the stocks and the bonds fell off their hands and their feet and it didn't just free those two, it freed everybody that was in the prison that day. You see, sometimes you're prison shaking or you're in prison not to release you but to release somebody else that's in prison like you and you're the tool or the instrument that God's going to use to release somebody else. So if you're in prison and you're bound up today, you might as well start worshiping him and you'll never know who you're going to free. That was, that was free. <laughs> but in the middle of the midnight hour, they began to sing praises and lift up God and, and, and God responds in kind when the midnight hour takes place. It's amazing to me that when Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible says even though it was the middle afternoon, in the middle afternoon, it became dark upon the face of the earth when he passed away. But the reason why it was dark was because the light was extinguished for a short amount of time while the light went into the inner caves and caverns of hell and grabbed the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And when Jesus came back again, there was no more darkness. There was eternal light. There's something that happens in the nighttime hour. There's something that happens when it is dark and when we can't see in front of us. And that is usually when God is getting ready to explode on the scene. You see, we are living in a day and an age that I believe we have entered into a nighttime hour. It's been an ordinary life, if you will. It's, we, we get up, we go to work, we come home, we go, get, uh, go to sleep, we get back up, we go to work, and we day in and day out, we're just kind of going along. And from time to time, we have these seasons where God allows us to step into areas that we've never dreamed of stepping and experiencing things that we've never dreamed of experiencing. And we gather together and we sense the presence of God come down so powerfully to where we can absolutely feel the tender embrace of heaven. And, uh, uh, but we have entered into a season of the nighttime. The darkness is all around us. 
You pick up any newspaper, you listen to any news broadcast, you, you, you watch just about any television show now, it's all about the darkness. It's all about the night. It's all about whatever is going on around us to where we have become uh, or starting trying to become accustomed to operating in the darkness. Can I just tell you that we are not designed to operate during the night. We are uh, designed to usher in light during the night. Yes. Jesus didn't say, go be a dark pillar somewhere. He said, go be salt and light. He didn't say, go hide in the corner and put everything under a bushel. No, he said, let it so shine. Let your light so shine among men so that they may see the goodness and the mercy of God. God is getting ready to explode in light. We want to have the opportunity when our night becomes holy. I wasn't sure in the direction that God was sending me in today until last night I went down and um, I did what I always do. I go to YouTube. And when I brought YouTube up, I always put in Gaither Vocal Band, because they're godly <laughs> and anointed. But I, I enjoy listening to their music plays every time I get ready, so all of my preaching I attribute to the Gaither Vocal Band. But, but I'm listening to them, and, and something pops up on YouTube last night that, that was different than it usually does, and it was these... Uh, reaction people that do their little blogs or vlogs or whatever they call it and uh, they were reacting to it was like six or seven of them right in a row that I had never seen before and they were reacting to the song that David Phelps sang uh, of Gaither Vocal Band he sings Oh Holy Night and the man sings it like nobody else in the world and so these people were watching their their they're videoing themselves reacting and sharing with their people. And, and this gentleman uh, came on. He says, I've never heard this. Somebody sent this to me. We're going to have a video reaction. I'm going to play it. I'll give you my reaction. And so he started playing it. So you have David Phelps singing in the corner. And we have this man giving his reaction. And uh, at first it was, you know, he stopped it for a couple of times. And said, the, the, the man's tone is just phenomenal. And he just he ushers itself in. But then something happened, he started playing it. Something began to happen to this gentleman that was watching this for the first time. All of a sudden, he started not being able to breathe right. He kept going. And then his eyes started watering up. And when David Phelps hit the high notes at the end of that song, singing Oh Holy Night, and, 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 and lets it rip, all of a sudden, you can just see the guy just, he sits back in his seat, he's got this, uh, one of these big fluffy beards and, and, and he puts his hands to his face and, and, and so I clicked on the next one almost every one of them and what was funny was when they were reacting to David Phelps' voice at the beginning they were sensing the anointing of David Phelps at the end and what they were really feeling was the presence of God settling into their reaction that they were doing and mind you these weren't necessarily Christian uh, uh, bloggers, they were they were people that were just doing reactions to the different music, but something was reaching into them. The holy night that he was singing about was reaching through the airwaves and touching the hearts of those people that were reacting. One lady that was reacting couldn't even sit in her seat when she hit it. She just jumped up and started shouting Jesus. 
You see, there's something about a holy night. And so as I'm listening to this and I'm watching this, and you know, I've got David Phelps memorized. It doesn't matter. You name the song and I can sing it, just not very well. And, and, and so, and, and so I, I, none of the songs were new, and, but, but their reaction to it was amazing to me. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, you're trying to tell me something. You're trying to give me my message for tomorrow. And I said, okay, what makes a holy night holy? Oh, holy night. We sing it at Christmas. And so I pulled up the scripture. And here's what I have found and what I want to share with you today. Is there are seven things that happen. And I'm going to kind of teach, treat a little bit today. Uh, there, there's, there's seven things that happen in the middle of the night when God shows up. When that ordinary night turns into something holy, there's seven things that happens. The first thing that happens in this passage that we read about is glory shines bright in the midst of darkness. Yes. Now listen, it's not always physical light that you see. Sometimes it's a spiritual light that you see. Sometimes when it's in the middle of the darkness and all of a sudden the things of God move and you begin to recognize, oh, this is something different. Let, let me tell you an example. My, my father has shared this over and over and over again. And so I, 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 it's his testimony, not so much mine, because I was asleep in the basement. Uh, or actually, I was at my aunt's house. My brother was born seven years after I was. My parents had had a, a stillborn child before him, and so they were worried when Jeremy was born in 1977 that everything was going to be okay. Well, Jeremy comes along, and he is born, and there's nothing wrong with him and uh, that we know of. There's nothing wrong with, with him, but uh, all of a sudden, so my dad, this was back in the day, uh, I would have never gotten away with this, but he went home left my mom at the hospital by herself. I, I had to stay in a little nice comfortable chair all night when my babies were born. But anyhow, that's another story. My dad went home and he's laying in bed and he gets a call from my mother who is in absolutely sobbing and in tears saying, Frank, you've got to come to the hospital because something's wrong with Jeremy. And, and he, he's been taken away and he's and so when we ended up seeing him, he had the little Dixie cup on his head and all kinds of wires in and out of his little body. And, and uh, we, uh, there's pictures somewhere of, of my sister and I standing outside of his little incubator thing as he's laying inside of there. And my dad, at the time, he says it was in the middle of the night when, she, when he got the call. And so he crawled out of bed and he went into the living room where a couple of years ago, before that, he would crawl into the living room and cry because he was miserable because he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. He was in the middle of playing professional sports. He quit that in 1975. This is 1977. He goes back to that same living room in the middle of the night again. This time it's different. This time he's not going there in panic. This time he's not going there in sorrow. This time he's going there in worship. And so he goes into the living room in the middle of the night. And he picks up his little guitar and he begins to strum and he begins to sing the song that I sing to my youngest all the time to get him to calm down. And that is Jesus, 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 there's just something 
about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim, kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. And when he would sing, he said, as I sang that, the peace of God just settled into the living room. He got done, he got dressed. By the time he got to the hospital, he got walked into the room, he wasn't in a panic, he just said, Kathy, it's gonna be okay. Was, he, was, was Jeremy instantly healed? No. But over time, he got stronger and stronger and stronger, and he's the father of six now. <laughs> and, and, and so, what, what, what's happened, what I'm saying is, in the middle of that nighttime in the living room at 441 Gentry, as my dad was strumming his guitar, the glory of the Lord shone round about him. It wasn't a physical light, it was a spiritual light, it was a peace. It was the heaviness of the presence of God as it settled there. Listen, if you're in your midnight hour and you start reaching out to him, the first thing that you're going to start to sense is the glory of God, the weight of God, the shining power of God uh, uh, descending amongst you. And when, you, when that begins to happen, there's something that begins to take place in you because sometimes the presence of God can cause you to be terrified. I don't know about you, but when the prison began to shake in the midnight hour of the book of Acts where Paul and Silas was, I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting there chained to a wall that's now shaking, there would be a little bit of terror there. There would be a little bit of fright there. There would be a little bit of hesitation there. But along with that terror, there is a quick response from God that says you don't need to be afraid. And what was terrifying becomes awe-inspiring in just a moment of time. Listen, if you will let God settle into your nighttime hour, into that darkness that you're dealing with right now, and whatever that darkness is, whatever that situation is, Everybody here has a different situation that is causing it to be a nighttime hour. But if you will let the glory of God settle in, don't be afraid of it because God's getting ready to do something for you in just a moment of time. Because sometimes, here's what happens. When the glory of God shows up, it makes you want to do something that you're not used to doing. You're, it's not the usual it's not the thing that you're expecting. Sometimes he asks you to do the unexpected. Can I just tell you there's times where you have to respond to the presence of God and do something that doesn't make sense or that adds what you would think would be a greater burden and you're having to, to deal with this and this and this because this is happening. Listen, it's just the pathway that God is choosing. So don't be afraid to say, okay, God, if you want to shake my walls, shake my walls. If you want to shake the house and the foundation of what I've lived in and my philosophy and my outlook and my attitude, if that's what needs to be shaken, go ahead, God, begin to shake it. 
Go ahead and begin to change it. Go ahead and begin to maneuver it. Because God, I want you more than I want anything. And because here's what happens when that begins to take place and that fear transitions. The Bible says it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so when that fear begins to transition to awe, you begin to get wisdom. And what is wisdom? But wisdom is the understanding or the revelation of who he really is. When you get to that midnight hour, that dark hour, that, that hour that you can't see in front of you, and you don't know how you're going to take another step, and you don't know which way you're going to turn, but then all of a sudden the presence of God settles into your life and begins to give you a peace that passes all understanding, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, then I'll just do this, and I'll do this. What is that? Jesus moving on your behalf. Yeah. And you get to see who Jesus is in a brand new light. Can I just tell you, I've seen Jesus reveal himself to me at different points in my life in different ways. He revealed himself to me a certain way in the summer of 1982, 81, 11 years old. And he, he revealed himself to me on a platform at Camp Galilee in that way. And then there was a time when Jim Larson was preaching in our home church and uh, the guys sat over here and the girls sat over here and, and all of a sudden we were in about the third or fourth pew and the presence of God began to come down in this special service that we were having and he was preaching about the signs of the times and there was just something that happened in me in that day. He revealed himself to me again. I shared with you last week how God, when we were in Delaware, began to reveal himself uh, uh, again, walking through a desert and, and Sister Trout helping me through that and, and revealed to me again. Over and over and over through my, uh, my history, uh, God has spoken to me and revealed himself to me in different ways. When we were trying to adopt a child and that fell through and it didn't work out, we left a space in, our, in the, the, the nursery that we were creating for this baby because the Lord, through my mother-in-law, said, create a space. And it was just a few months later that Owen came along. I, he revealed himself a brand new way. And then out of the blue, a couple of years later, he revealed himself again, and Declan comes along. And then he reveals himself two months later, and we're elected here. And then we, we, a couple months later, he, he lets us go through all of 2008 and 2009 and all of the economic mess that was happening. And we moved in the middle of all that, and we never went hungry. We never missed anything out. God just kept his hand upon us every hour of the night. God revealed himself, and I saw something different in him, and each one of you probably has a similar testimony. In the darkness of your day, in the darkness of your night, you saw something in God that you didn't see before. It's what happens when an ordinary night becomes holy. The fourth thing is, it releases you to hear worship. I didn't say it releases you to worship. The angels started worshiping. The heavenly host started worshiping. It wasn't the shepherds that started worshiping. When they saw the light shine, the Bible says they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. He then, then they revealed to him who Christ was and how they would find Christ wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And then it says that they heard the heavenly host, the armies of heaven, singing out glory to God. Listen, 
when you get your midnight hour or your night that's ordinary, that you're just weighed down, and all of a sudden God begins to make it holy, you're going to start hearing worship. And here's what I mean by that. You're going to start seeing things for the way they're supposed to be seen. In other words, the storm clouds are not going to be the storm, but you're going to recognize that the storm clouds are designed to bring rain. And when the storm cloud rains, it's worshiping the creator that it created that what created it. And, and when the tornadoes come, it's the tornado worshiping the creator that created the tornado. Can I just tell you all of creation is moaning and groaning for the coming of the Lord? The thing that was created. When the things that were created begin to do what they're supposed to do, they're actually revealing worship. So when your night's beginning to get holy, you're going to start to see things from a different perspective. You're going to start to see that negative thing in your life. God has taken a hold of it and is using it to direct you in a positive direction. That thing that was tearing you down all of a sudden is building you up. Can I just tell you, in the physical realm, the way that you become stronger is that you break down that which is already strong and you build it back up with resistance and weight training and all kinds of things. It's the reason why just about every boxer, just about every wrestler, just about every athlete goes through a season where they break down all of what they know and all of what they are and they try to learn new habits. So that then a trainer comes in and begins to train them back up and begins to shift what they're doing so that their muscle structure goes the right way. It's the thing that happens when God takes that which has caused you problems and has turned it around and has made it a blessing. Listen, some of you are going to be such strong warriors, not because of anything that you did on your own, but because of the things that you have gone through, the nights that you have traveled, that God is now going to take that which you have traveled and is going to turn it around and place an instrument in your hand to become stronger than you've ever been before. Listen, when God begins to do it, your ordinary night becomes holy. I want everybody to take 15 seconds to do something that I'd never ask you to do. Take 15 seconds and I want you to think about your past. Just think, 15 quick seconds of everything that you've been through. Boom, 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 boom. Now, I want you to know this. You're still here. And that which the enemy tried to destroy you with. Listen to me is going to be the thing that God uses in you to destroy the enemy. That's what goes from an ordinary night to a holy night. That which tried to destroy you, tried to cause you destruction, tried to give you a habit, tried to give you all kinds of problems, is going to be the thing that God, so if you were addicted to drugs, he's not going to use drugs, but all of a sudden, you're going to reach out to another drug addict, and the light that you now shine into their life is going to strengthen them, and it's going to destroy the kingdom of the enemy. If you were abused as a young person, you're not going to be an abuser, but you're going to reach that other person that's been abused.
confused and you're going to bring light into their dark world and the enemy's going to be defeated. Over and over, all through scripture, God has always taken the past of an individual that was trying to destroy them and took it and began to turn it around and make it an offensive weapon to destroy the kingdom of devil. And I just got to tell you, I believe that everything that's going on in this world is preparing us for a spiritual battle. The likes have never been heard of before where people that think that they are just ordinary saints rise up and they become holy saints. A holy priesthood, a royal nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When your night becomes holy, it becomes powerful. And it doesn't matter what age you are. That's right. Everybody has a night. Amen. Because here's the fifth thing. You will have a desire then to seek him. The shepherd said, oh my word, it's the middle of the night. Bright light shone. We were freaked out. The angel said to calm. We heard great music from the angels on, on high. And, and, and we heard the worship. And let's go find out if what they're saying is true. Can I tell you? Let me put it to you in different terms. I do not believe that condemnation is of God. The Bible says it this way. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who love God. So if you have felt condemned, it's of the enemy and not of God. God does not condemn, God convicts. And the difference is this, condemnation will push you away. You won't want to have anything to do with God. You won't want anything to do with the church. You won't want to have anything to do with the things of the word or the spirit. That's condemnation. But conviction is this. Yeah, I may have messed up. I may have been a, I, I may just be a mess. But God is pulling me to him. I need to seek him out. I need to make my way to the manger. I need to look for the baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying there. Something was, there was a shift that night in the atmosphere. There can be a shift in your atmosphere today. It may be light outside, but it may be dark in your heart right now. Let me just tell you, your night is getting ready to become holy. If you will just begin to seek him, if you'll just find your way to a manger where he was born, uh, uh, where he was lying there getting ready to start his ministry, something begins to happen. I've got to seek him. It doesn't say I'm going to seek the manger. I don't know what went on in those shepherds' heads when they said you're going to find him lying in a manger. My logical question would have been, why is he in a manger? Why is he not in the inn? Why is he not at somebody's house? Why am I going to find him in a manger? I'll tell you what. Some people are looking for him in the wrong spot. They desire to seek him, 
but they're looking in the wrong place. Can I tell you that if you're looking in the wrong place, you're not going to find him. But when you're looking for him, look for him where you're not expecting to find him, and you probably will find him. I know of too many parents that have looked for God in their kids. It's not where you're going to find God. I know of some people that have put, they're going to find God in their career, their job. I'm sorry, that's, your job's not guaranteed. No matter how secure you may think it is. It may not be there. Can I tell you where you may find God? In the backyard while you're raking leaves. Tempted to put concrete over the whole yard so you don't have to make the <laughs> You may find God as you're driving to the grocery store. You may find God in that pesky neighbor that you just wanted to be quiet. You may find God in that situation at work that makes you uneasy and makes you not want to even show up for work. Or you get to work and you may have to bite your tongue a few times. That may be where you find God. Don't look for God in the obvious places. The manger wasn't an obvious place for the shepherds to find him. And yet they searched for him. Keep looking. Keep seeking. Keep experiencing him. Because when you find him, the Bible says it this way, when the, they, they hurried into the village, they found him, and after seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels said. It will, when you see Jesus, it will propel you to talk to somebody about him. It will encourage you. It will empower you to speak of him. Listen, more and more in the day that we live. This is why I believe God is getting ready to do something great. Because it's not just a trickle of people going through an ordinary night. It is a mass amount of people that are walking through the night. And as they're walking through the night, it's getting ready to become holy. And when we become holy in Him, we won't be able to shut our mouths. We'll be telling everybody about Him. And when we tell everybody about Him, God's going to speak to somebody. And who knows who that somebody's going to be? But it'll release something. If we were all Hall of Fame Christians, I want you to think about this. In order to get in the Hall of Fame in baseball, one of the one of the things that kind of needs to be met or gets close is a 300 batting average. Well, when you say 300, that sounds pretty good. But when you say 30%, which is what 300 is in baseball, that's not very good. That means a Hall of Fame baseball player can only hit the ball three out of 10 times. I want that to register with somebody. 
We have idolized baseball players as Hall of Famers, as the greatest of all time. In fact, the greatest of all time, one year, ER, our batting average, I think is 406, which means four out of 10 times. That's the best ever. And we put people up on pedestals in the sporting world because that's how good they are. Can I just tell you, what would happen if you and I decided to become a Hall of Famer and just reach three people out of 10? Some of us don't talk because we're afraid that, of, of an imperfection. Can I just tell you, talk about Jesus and whether they respond positively or negatively is not your problem. Can you imagine, Randy, how many today? There's 60 people here today. My automatic calculator will be there. <laughs> if each person talked to 10 people this week and only three out of each 10 decided to come to the Lord and it all happened in one week, how many people would be here next week? We'd have to close the doors and take a seating assignment. And see, that's what happens when your night becomes holy. Lori walked in today. I said, hey, Lori, how are you doing? She goes, I'm just babbling. I got a job. <laughs> Elena says, well, that's not babbling. That's testifying. You see, when God shows up and your night becomes holy, you can't shut up. The people that don't talk about Jesus, I question whether or not they've had a holy night yet. Because when you have a holy night with God and he transitions your darkness into something powerful, you cannot help but to not talk about it. You think about all of the things that happen in our lives that we just can't, we have to share something with somebody. We got to spit it out. Listen, Jesus saved my soul. He turned me around. He keeps me saved. He provides for my needs. I've got to tell somebody. And when I tell somebody, they're going to tell somebody. Can I tell you the difference between a Hall of Fame baseball player and a Christian Hall of Famer? Is that baseball players don't have compound averages. When their season ends, they go back to zero. And they start at zero the next year. And they got to go back and raise it back up for three out of ten times. Want to know what a Christian does? A Christian hits 300. That, 30 out of, or that three out of ten now talks to the other three out of ten. And another three out of ten. And I'm not even going to try to do the algebra on it. But it's compound glory. I talk to three, Cheryl talks to three, Renee talks to three, Dwayne talks to three. Those three talk to three. Those three talk to three. All of a sudden, there is a mass movement and a change in the atmosphere all around us. How does Spirit of Grace Church become a central eye of the, the storm, if you will, for the revival that God wants? Each one reaches a couple. Those couple reach another couple. Those couple reach another couple. And before long, it is widespread. I'm not talking about building a big church, but you can reach across the landline. Land, land, how many landlines? We have very few have landlines. You can 
pick up your mobile phone and you call somebody in Texas and you start talking to them about Jesus and who knows, the revival that explodes in Texas may have started right here because of somebody here that has said something. Somebody watches it around the world online and all of a sudden a flame is flipping, it has started and a fire has started and all of a sudden it reaches somebody across the world. I'm not just talking about growing big churches, I'm talking about letting the kingdom of God turn our nights from being an ordinary night into a holy night and letting the glory of God just explode around the world. Praise God. And here's the last thing. Nobody in history would be talking about these shepherds had their ordinary night not turned holy. They became significant because their night became holy. Can I just tell you, holy nights are not a one-time experience? Stop looking for significance outside of the kingdom of God because you'll never find it. You'll never find it. But when you find a night that is ordinary, turn into holy. And let me just remind you what I've said it several times. I haven't even just told you what, I, what holy is. Here's what holy is. Holy is something that is set, that God sets apart unto himself. God takes the night that you're in and he gives it to himself. That makes it holy. So when all of a sudden he is right in the middle of your night and your night becomes his night. And when he begins to move, watch out. But when your night becomes holy, you go from insignificant to significant. I don't know what that means to you, but let me just tell you something. You matter. I believe in church attendance. We need to have you here. I need to be here. Not just so we can say we have church, but because when your significance adds to my significance, and my significance adds to your significance, all of a sudden we become a powerful force in the hand of God. You mean too much not to be here. You're missed. Those that aren't here today, we miss you as you're watching online. We miss you today. There's something that happens when we are not together. There's something that is disconnected when we are not spending some time together. Yes, we're still socially distanced. Yes, we're wearing masks. Yes, we're being safe. But there's still something that we sense as we can hear the voices around us, as we can see the people. Listen, it does my heart so good just to be able to see you here. Why? Because every time I see you here, it's another mark of significance. It's another historical record. Here's the problem with history. None of us will ever read our own. 
I love history. I'm, I'm a history buff. I, I read historical things. I, I look at historical things and, and, and I get excited about some of those. But can I just tell you, nobody knows their own history. I don't know what my historical account will be if the Lord should tarry a hundred years from now. I don't know how significant the name Tim Sanders will be. Unless the politician in Blaine goes high. I mean, maybe. I've got so many calls about becoming the next mayor of Blaine. I, I don't know what history holds for my name, my legacy. Depends on who reads it, who looks at it, who I've offended, who I haven't. But can I just tell you, the one thing that I do know is my name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's significant. I won't find my significance by history. Whether or not I'm remembered by people like the shepherds are remembered, or, or the lady with the issue of blood last week that is remembered. I, I don't know how I'll be remembered down the road should the Lord tarry. But here's what I know is if the Lord tarries and I go from this world into that world, my legacy is absolutely significant and assured because when I breathe my last breath on this side of eternity and I take my next breath on that side of eternity, there's going to be a book that's open and my name's going to be found in the Lamb's Book of Life because he died for me. He shed his blood for me. I have found him to be true and my hope is not in the significance of this world, but my hope is in the significance of that world and when my night becomes holy, I transition from this world to that world in the spirit realm. I invite you to stand. I want to be really honest here. And not that I have honest. I want to be really clear is the word I should use. There's some of you that have been listening to me today, and I know some of your stories, not all stories, but I know some of the night that you're going through. And you may be saying, Pastor, but you don't know how dark my night is right now. You're right, I don't, but he does. Pastor, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Been there, done that. Created the t-shirt. And then on. I will probably be there again, should the Lord tarry. I wish I could tell you that this season has been easy as a pastor. It's been the hardest season. I'm ready for 2021 if, for no other reason, it gives me hope that 2020 is over. Yeah. Don't know what we're going to deal with. But on an individual basis, some of you are dealing with a very dark night right now. 
Storm clouds are blocking out even the stars and the moon. There's been an electrical shortage and so there's no powered lights. You're just in a dark night. And we're hearing that statement all over the news. It's gonna be a dark night, dark winter. I don't know if it is or not. If it is, let's just let God make it holy and shine the bright light. But here's what I want to say to you. I came with this assignment. I believe that God is wanting to speak to those of you that are in the middle of your night. Just hold on. You're going to see him like you've never seen him before. Those shepherds only got to see angels because Jesus was being born in Bethlehem. But today, Jesus is just wanting to show up for you. Yes, he'll send angels which are ministering spirits sent forth by him, according to the book of Hebrews. But he's wanting to be the fourth man in your fire. He's wanting to be your pillar of cloud by day and your pillar of fire by night. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But pastor, I just don't feel, I know. I told you last week, I've been there. I know what it's like not to feel God. He feels so far away. Can I just tell you, the shepherds weren't looking for the angels that night. They were just doing what they knew they were supposed to be doing. Keep getting up. Keep occupying till he comes. Keep trying to make the right decisions. Don't get bogged down. Be not weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Listen, I can't prophetically tell you that 2020 is just a, a weary year and 2021 is going to be exploding with harvest. But I've got to believe it, that right around the corner, whether it be here at the end of 2020, in 2021, whatever the, the Lord, his timetable is, that which has been sown is getting ready to sprout. There is a harvest that's getting ready in your midnight hour when you can't feel him, when you're totally lost, when you're in tears, when you're in panic, when your heart is breaking, when you're stressed out and worn out. Listen to me, my friend. Don't do it by yourself. Give us a call. Help us to come along and bear your burden with you. Don't do it on your own. I may not have the actual answer, but I've got a good set of shoulders. I've got a good prayer room. I can help you out that way. But listen, don't stop because God's getting ready to flip your ordinary night into a holy night. And when that holy night begins to happen, all of Christmas is going to explode in your spirit. I'm asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here tonight, today, this afternoon, if you're here and you are in the middle of the night, would you just raise your hand all across this congregation? Yeah, you're in your nighttime hour. Hands are up everywhere. You don't have an answer. Now, I'm going to ask everybody else, would you raise your hands with them and just begin to declare the goodness of God. 
Lord, I pray right now. In the name of Jesus. I come against the powers of the enemy. I come against the spirit of hell. I come against the spirit of darkness. Lord, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. I come against those rulers now as the army of heaven. I am asking you, God, to release the light of glory. I'm asking you to let the holy light of God begin to shine round about those whose hands were raised. Lord, they're walking in the middle of a midnight hour, but God, I am asking you by the authority of the blood of the Lamb, God, release it now in this house from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Let them feel and experience the embrace of Almighty God. Let them experience the freedom of the glory of God as it shines round about them. And Lord, allow us to find you in our lonely place right now. In the dark place, let your light so shine. Lord God, I come against the rulers of the darkness of this world. I bind their voices. I bind their hands. I bind their feet in the name of Jesus. You said what we would bind on earth should be bound in heaven. And what we should loose on earth should be loosed in heaven. I'm asking you, God, now to loose the heavenly force, the heavenly angels that camp round about them. Mobilize them and activate them. And let them begin to do a work even now. I come against fear right now. I bind fear up. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. I bind up every fearful spirit in this house right now that has tried to, in the midnight hour, make us cower, make us lock all our doors and hide under our spiritual beds. I'm asking you, God, to put a nightlight out. Let the doors be open. Let the bed be removed and allow the hands to be lifted. Allow the spirits to be lifted in power and authority with absence of fear in the name of Jesus. I come against worry right now by the authority of the word of God. Please join me in prayer. God is doing something amazing right now. I come against worry in the name of Jesus. By the, you told us not to worry or be anxious for anything, but in all things by prayer and supplication, make our request be made known unto God. God, every job in this house is in your hands. Lord, we're not going to worry about our finance. We're just going to partner with you. We're not going to worry about our future. We're just going to partner with you. I'm not going to be anxious for anything, but I'm going to lift it and put it into your hands at all times. In the name of Jesus, I come against strife. Lord, between son and parent, between daughter and parent, between loved ones, between friends, between co-workers. Lord, that which has been risen in strife, I'm asking you now to let it be conquered by mercy. 
I'm asking for grace beyond measure. For where sin abounds, there does grace more abound. I'm asking you, God, to step into every situation that is causing a dark night. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let the ministry of reconciliation. I'm asking you for the ministry of restoration. I'm asking you for freedom right now, God, in the name of Jesus. In every situation where strife has raised its ugly head, I'm asking you to take care of it in your name, I pray. I know you may not see it right now, but by the eyes of my faith, there have been angels that have been dispatched on your behalf.